This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiansen. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. This is the Podium Finish Live with your host, Rob Tiansen, and I'm joined alongside, as always, Nathan Solomon. We're so glad that you can join us for episode 29 of TPF Live since we rebooted last October, which means we've been around for over half a year. So we're getting towards our one-year anniversary in about five months. So people, if you want to send us some gifts... Patreon money, whatever it is, send it our way. Uh, Nathan and I would be very appreciative of that. But episode 29 is here, and we're so happy that you could join us for the first off-campus edition of TPF Live, because Nathan is now transitioning from his sophomore year to now a junior year. And like I said to him before we started recording, junior year of college is probably one of the better years you'll experience, and it goes by a lot faster than high school. And as for me, I am taking a week off from grad school before I resume my studies next week. But we are not on the radio show schedule for a while. So for folks who want to hear the radio show with the jukebox and all that, you'll have to wait till the fall. But that's okay. We'll have a lot of fun to talk about here in these upcoming months here on TPF Live, the podcast edition almost sounds like the after hours edition, but still a family friendly atmosphere with a driver today who promises to be all about family, and he's certainly very friendly, to say the least. And I am talking about 16-time NHRA Funny Car Champion, John Force. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the legend here joining us today from the Quarter Mile Strip. And I can't tell you how amazing it is to have John Force on our show. Now, full disclosure that we recorded this interview with John last Thursday. But nevertheless, to have him on here, it's like if you can have Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon, or Mario Andretti join us, which we so hope to have any of those three on our show again. And that would be super, super awesome. But to have John Forrest on here, I can't tell you how excited I am. So it'll be the full 15 plus minute edition of our interview with John Forrest. And if you don't know who John Forrest is, He's basically the Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon of NHRA Funny Car Racing. And he talks just about as fast as he drives down the quarter mile. But I promise you, he is very, very knowledgeable, very savvy, and very, very charming for you folks to listen to. So I'm excited about that. John Forrest, of course, just came off his win at the Four White Nationals at the Charlotte Drag Strip, just adjacent to Charlotte Motor Speedway. So good timing to have him on the show. And he's getting ready for, of course, the race weekend at, at Richmond, Virginia, where, of course, Nathan covered the Cup and Xfinity action in April. So certainly a lot to look forward to from John Force. So looking forward to kicking off that segment a little bit later on in the show, of course, during the hot seat segment. But let's head towards the segment that I always like to do, which is kind of the friendlies and pleasantries with, uh, with Nathan, Nathan, of course. So Nathan, I know you're just getting settled from finishing up your finals. You've been doing a lot of ESPN Plus work as well. So how's things been going for you, my friend? It's been going well. I'm very tired, but I'm very happy <laughs> to be back at home and through everything. I just went through a week of finals and broadcasting games and homework and a lot of stuff that I don't really want to do. But we are, like I said, we are through it. 
we can focus on the the work grind, the TPF grind. Um, and work's not very not too bad. Just working at a golf course, but gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but I'm I'm excited for uh, for this summer. Hopefully, be able to push out more TPF content and uh, excited for Ted. Certainly, and I'm looking forward to that TPF content. Of course, it's like having the ESPN Sports Center content from the good old days, or uh, if you're talking about today, sort of like having the Scott Van Pelt or SVP type of quality that you folks expect from Nathan, me, and our team at TPF. So. Looking forward to seeing what you have from Dover, of course, as you've sort of been mentioning throughout these past few weeks. Um, I know I know the content that you've worked on, but the fans at home don't know. But I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be exciting stuff you'll see from Nathan. Um, and of course, like I was saying um, to Nathan, of course, before we started recording, after this Kansas race weekend, which we're going to preview, of course, during the Podium Perspectives segment, Podium finish or TPF is going to be very busy because we pretty much have a team at every single NASCAR race, starting at the All-Star race at Texas Motor Speedway up until at least the Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway. So if you think about that, folks, TPF is pretty much nonstop, always at the racetrack. So I'm excited for that and hope to hear back from, of course, Indianapolis Motor Speedway as of this recording to know if our team will be covering the greatest spectacle in racing. With it being the month of May, of course, folks, I'm talking about the Indianapolis 500. So hope to have our trio of photographers and our journalists on site at Speedway Indiana. So stay tuned for that. If we do get to be there, I can't wait to share the good news with you folks on socials. But before we kick off our show... Of course, as I always say, for the past at least 28 episodes of TPF Live, if you are looking for the latest diecast cars, whether those are NASCAR offerings by Lionel Racing or IndyCar, movie, TV show, or any kind of random diecast car from Greenlight Collectibles, head on over to CircleBDiecast.com. And if you spend at least $30 or more on in-stock items or any pre-order items that will be shipping at the same time, you can take advantage of free shipping with promo code TPF2022. That's promo code TPF2022. And if you spend $30 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items that will ship at the same time, you can enjoy free shipping and count down to the days that your mailbox will have a package full of diecast cars that you'll have to explain to your significant other and hopefully not get into the doghouse for. So tell Brent Powell and his team that Rob Tiongson and Nathan Solomon sent you over because we want you to be the coolest racing fan possible in the block. CircleBDiecast.com for all the latest diecast cars and merchandise from the world of motorsports. Let's get to the world of motorsports right now, of course, folks, because we are heading towards podium perspectives. <laughs> Well, I know that Darlington Raceway had a lot of action during Mother's Day weekend, and I want to say belated happy Mother's Day to my mom, of course, and to all the moms out there who support TPF, and of course, to Nathan's mom as well. As far as Darlington's concerned, I don't think anyone really raced with their best Sunday etiquette because everyone's talking about the finish between Joey Logano and William Byron with two to go, turn three, for the victory. Now, for some context about what happened... Earlier in the race, Byron and Logano were battling during a restart in which Logano was leading and Byron was going for the lead. 
And coming off turn two, which you know, folks, at Donington Raceway, turn two is pretty narrow. And really, being on the inside line is not the easiest position to be in. Well, Byron's car kind of drifted towards Logano, and it put Logano towards the wall. It didn't really slow down Logano's number 22 Ford Mustang, but it certainly didn't make the driver behind the wheel of that car very happy. So with two to go, Logano was catching Byron, whose tires may have been shot. It could have just been classic Darlington management with tires where Logano was just eating into that advantage. And I was thinking, oh, great, we're going to get a Ricky Craven, Kurt Busch type of finish here because this looks exactly like what was going to happen back in 2003 in 2022. Wrong. This was a little bit of the Dale Earnhardt school of maneuvers, if you will, because Logano decided to bump and run, or some, as some folks say, dump and run, in turn three with Byron. Now, before we get Nathan's thoughts on this, I do have to preface it with this. We've seen a lot of aggressive racing throughout this year. Ross Chastain, namely at Coda, with what he did to AJ Allmendinger and effectively to Alex Bowman in the final corners of the final lap of the Echo Park Texas Automotive Grand Prix at Coda here in Austin, Texas. And then not long after that, Chase Briscoe and Tyler Reddick kind of had their little bit of shenanigans in turn three on the final lap at Bristol Motor Speedway's dirt surface that allowed Calabush to win. And Tyler Reddick go, I'll be a gentleman, but I guess I should shake your hand because it's Easter Sunday. And now we've got this little beef between Byron and Logano. Or pretty much Logano with any Hendrick car, <laughs> it seems like. So Nathan, I know you didn't catch the race live, obviously because of Mother's Day weekend. But from what you've caught since then, what's your whole take on this situation? I mean, a lot of folks seem to be a little bit, shall I say, pissed off with Logano, but... Was he in the wrong with this whole situation? Well, I think this might be the more unpopular take, but I don't really care, so I'm just going to go for it. I think what Logano did with to Byron is okay. You know, I don't. I I understand why people are upset about it because you you, know, you, you don't want to see I guess, dirty racing like that. But when you kind of think of the circumstances here, Joey Logano was on a 40 race winless streak now. Obviously, he won the clash, but that doesn't count for that streak because that you know the, the streak is, is points-paying events. So he hadn't won since Bristol Durton in 2021. William Byron is one of the points leaders. He has two wins. He's locked completely locked in the playoffs. Logano, you know, in that situation, you never know when you're going to be in that position again to try to win a race. I mean, you know, for all he knows, he could you know really struggle the next you know 10 or 15 weeks up to the playoffs and. Um, and let's say he, he doesn't move him there and he finishes second, he might not have that opportunity again. And so um, I, I'm honestly going to support Logano here. I think that move was, I, I, again, I understand why it's dirty, but I think under the circumstances he faced, I think that's okay because, again, Byron was locked in the playoffs. He was not. He was trying to break along win the streak. Um, so, I mean, if, if both guys are racing for, if, let's say both guys have two wins and they're already locked in the playoffs, I, I think that might be a little bit different. But just because Logano was by no means locked in the playoffs, I think that that moves okay. And, and Logano had the best car all day too. I mean, I'm, that, that's certainly not a way to justify it. But he's on the pole, um, first time with this new car that we saw the pole winner win the race. He was up front basically all day. He really had the car to beat all weekend, so he 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 was certainly the most deserving driver um, of that victory. And I understand why he did that move and, and I support it. Now, William Byron certainly has every right to be upset because he ran a good race and put himself in position to win that race. And then ended up, I think blowing his tire and spinning out or whatever and finishing 13th or 15th or something. But, 
Um, so he cer- again, he certainly has that right to be upset, but um, I-, I think what Lugana did under the, cir- the circumstances is it's completely fine. Exactly. And I 110% agree with you, Nathan. I think that's the point I've been trying to say on Twitter. Um, trying not to piss off too many more people after what I wrote about Danny Hamlin two weeks ago, but talking about racing, of course, it's, it's the final laps of the race. And I wholeheartedly agree because Logano hasn't won a race in over a year. And the other thing I think you have to think about too is he's kind of perceived as the leader of Team Penske now since Brad Keselowski's moved over to RFK as the co-owner and driver of that team for the number six car. You couple that with the fact that Logano's kind of sort of been the most inconsistent of the bunch, even though he's having a good year points-wise, and you're seeing Austin Cedric win the Daytona 500. You've seen Ryan Blaney be up there for victories as well. You know, and obviously Logano felt a little bit irritated about Byron racing him a little too hard early in the race uh, during a restart. Now, it's funny because people praised the hell out of Ross Chastain for what he did at Coda. And I kind of had a different take on it. I was like, well, I don't know if I would have done that move, but obviously this is, this is a edgier era of NASCAR. So I guess my other question to this whole thing is, if it were anyone else, say if it was Chase Elliott who did this move, would you suppose that the fan base would be like, oh, that is the most classic move ever. I, I totally loved what he did. And is it a case where Logano is being vilified because of the fact he's Joey Logano? Well, I'll tell you this. If, if, it, was, if it was Chase Elliott, I mean, I think I mean, people would probably riot. Uh, well, it, I, actually, I don't know why I just said that because I, I was just thinking the other way around. I think if, if, if it was... It was Chase Elliott being the one getting moved. I think everybody would riot. Um, but I, in in terms of like, I mean, I know that Joey Logano is certainly not the most loved person by a lot of the fans. I think that he had gotten better as he'd gotten older, and maybe since he hadn't won as much the last couple of years of his career. But I don't know. Like I, I, I don't think it really changes anything for me. Um, you know, Ross Chastain was kind of in a similar position, like. Um, he hadn't won. He hadn't, he hadn't won a cup race yet, and and he goes. He you know when, when I like talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he kind of goes in with that mentality. You never know um, when when your next cup win is going to be your last one. So you kind of got to take take advantage of every single one. And, and at that point, he hadn't had any wins. He now since has two cup wins. But um, and, and AJ Allmendinger in that scenario, you know, you know, again, not justifying that whatsoever. But uh, you know, he, he he's not earning any cup points right now. Uh, but. In, in, in both cases, I think I, I, I defend Chastain. I defend Logano. They had a lot on the line, um, probably more on the line compared to the person that they bumped. Uh, so I think that's okay. Exactly. And the fact that this is the playoff era of NASCAR, there's a lot more high stakes. The regular season is almost halfway, believe it or not, folks, because this weekend is race 13 of 26 or 36. Um, and you kind of have to think of this as kind of halfway through stage one of the entire season. Uh, so with what Logano did, you just never know because at Kansas, who's to say he's going to be up there in the front of the field? Because it could be another Ross Chastain, another Martin Truex Jr., another Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron kind of race. And Team Penske could be like going for ninth or 10th place, which certainly is not going to count for anything in this year's playoff uh, standings because Nathan's been pretty much talking about this since the very start of the season, folks. It's very well possible that we're going to exceed 16 different winners before the regular season wraps up. 
And if that's the case, if that's the case, you've got to be high up in points, yes. And Logano's been pretty consistent when he's, when he's had good runs. But he's m- missing that victory, which would basically, you know, ease off some of the concerns off that 22 team. Now, with that victory, it does lock him in, in my opinion, because he's been high enough in points. It's not like he's going to run 30th place the rest of this season. Uh, but, you know, you have to think of the fact that the Chevrolet you know, OEM teams have been really good. Ross Chastain, well, except for that crash at Darlington, but it's not really his fault. Ross Chastain's been really strong. You know, you got the Toyota gang who could find a way to win races again. I mean, Kyle Busch snuck away, snuck a little, <laughs> back his way to a victory at Bristol. And Martin Trix Jr. is certainly due a victory. And Ryan Blaney is a pretty competent driver at Team Penske, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I mean, he looks like he could be challenging Logano for that team leadership position. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Logano had to do what he had to do to make it to the playoffs, and it's Darlington. Who doesn't want to win Darlington? You know, if I was a fan, I would want to back a driver who wants to go for victories. Now, it may not be the most elegant way to win a race, but drivers are not out there to make friendships out there. That's why when you ask, I know Nathan's, I don't know if you've asked this question before with racing, uh, with drivers, but I've asked drivers this in the past, you know, about friendships. And yeah, most drivers are friendly with each other, but when it comes to being out on the racetrack, they put all of those relationships aside and it's like basically capturing the flag at that point for three hours. There's no friendships. So Byron, I understand he's upset, but he's got two wins. And he's probably going to get a few more wins before the end of this regular season. So I don't know. I mean, William Byron is not like he's going to struggle to win another race. That 24 team has a lot of pace, to say the least. So hopefully we don't see anything foolish out of the 24 team in terms of trying to retaliate against the 22. But based on the NASCAR race hub, uh, sound, sound clips from Darlington, especially when Gordon and Byron kind of met up on pit road. Doesn't seem like it's going to be over anytime soon, but we'll see. There's plenty of racing still to come up, starting at Kansas and all the way down to Daytona um, in late August. But let's kind of stick to the theme of what happened in, at Darlington, of course, and talk about the consistent ways of Chase Elliott. Now, Chase Elliott had a really fast primary car during practice and qualifying sessions. But unfortunately, about halfway into his group B or group A, the group practice that he was doing, he lost control of his car around turn three and four, backed it into the fence and basically destroyed the front and rear back ends of his car. And as you know, with Hendrick Motorsports with their backup cars, um, they unloaded a white backup car which basically defeated the paint scheme that Chase Elliott was throwing it back to for Jimmy Means and uh, the number 52 Napa car from 1993. But besides the point, Chase Elliott found a way to still get a top five finish. You know, we're looking at the running order or finishing order from Sunday. Joey Logano won the race, of course. Tyler Reddick finished second, followed by Justin Haley. Kevin Harvick, who got his 13th consecutive Darlington top 10 finish, which is incredible in its own. Chase Elliott taking home a top five finish. Christopher Bell, McDowell, Stenhouse, Austin Dillon, and Daniel Suarez wrapping 
out the top 10 finishers. But as far as Elliott's concerned, I mean, it's incredible how he's been so quiet. He's been grinding out these top five, top 10 finishes. He's got the points lead. He's got that win at Dover. I mean, a lot of folks are still kind of waiting on Kyle Larson to turn up the switch and turn back to his 2021 self where he won 10 races. But Kyle Larson, who had a good, strong, fast race car, he spun while battling for Kyle, uh, battling for second with Kyle Busch, and unfortunately experienced some kind of mechanical or engine failure uh, in stage two while running at a top 10. It could have been, I don't know, not speculating, but you know, watching races in the past when a driver has spun out the way he has, sometimes what happens to the engine is it goes backwards. But to talk about Chase Elliott, I mean, Alan Gustafson and the boys over at the number nine team, I don't think we're giving them enough credit as far as being a great championship contender. But Nathan, we saw a little bit of this quite sneaky this last, last year where Elliott's only two victories were at the road courses at uh, Coda and Road America. But yet he made it to the championship four. As far as Elliott's playoff and potential championship four chances this year, should we not dismiss him anymore and actually start to treat him like an actual championship contender like we're doing with Martin Tricks? And not that Martrix with Ross Chastain and William Byron. Well, in my eyes, he already is a championship contender. I mean, obviously, he won uh, the 2020 championship, winning I think it was five times, including three of the last five races. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a year where we kind of talk about all of the parity here, you look over the points lead, and and Chase Elliott kind of has a big lead in points. Like through 12 races, he has a 65. Uh, he, he leads William Byron and, and Ryan Blaney by 65 points, which that's that's over a race of worth of points. So he has like a race and a third point cushion buffer. If that makes sense to you all out there. Um, only driver out there with nine top tens and 12 races. Um, you know, he, I think in, in of his non top tens, I think one of them is a 14th and one of them is an 11th. So he's there every week. He, uh, he's only really had one bad run. I think he, um, he had some trouble at, at, at five ten in, in race two, but that's really his, really been his only problem spot obviously his backup car was really fast uh really fast today but or excuse me really fast on sunday but yeah i mean chase elliott so far is kind of having a heck of a season and i don't think we are giving him enough credit because he hasn't really been winning like he has been or, or like he did in like 2020 or 2019 um he's just been super consistent he's been finding ways to, to stay out of trouble uh during the races and, and, he, and he's putting together some of those good finishes and you know his pit crew's been, been coming through for him because We've obviously seen a lot of issues on pit road this season um, and, and the teams that have been really putting it together in all aspects, the driving aspect, uh, the pit road aspect are, are the, are the teams that have been up there every week. So that's why you see Ross Chastain. They've been pretty flawless on pit road this year. And, and Ross Chastain's always in position to win races. And that's kind of the same with, with Chase Elliott. They're all, he, uh, his team's always flawless on pit road and um, he's always in position to, to win races. So just by staying out of trouble with, with these new cars, um, like that, that'll always put you in a good position to win race. I mean, you know, kind of just went through um, the, the results on, on, um, uh, on Sunday, like, you know, Justin Haley finished third, um, Michael McDowell seventh. Like a lot of those guys just got those results by just staying out of trouble. Todd Gilliland, Harrison Burton, both in the top 15, Ty Dillon 12th. Um, you know, that, and uh, we saw a lot of crashes on Sunday, unfortunately, but uh, th that just shows to tell that if you can try to stay out, if you stay out of trouble with, with these cars, then, um, 
you're more than likely to put together a, a pretty solid day, and that's what that's what Ellie's, Elliot's been doing all season and running top ten because of it. Now we got a lot of road courses coming up here, especially in the summer months. We got the one in the playoffs, of course, um, and a couple danger, pretty dangerous ovals for him too. So he he's certainly a, a playoff contender, and he always has always has been one in my eyes. I I wholeheartedly agree with you, Nathan, on that. Just because Chase has been, you know, there's there's a reason why he's a he's a 2020 NASCAR Cup champion. It's because he's he's a really smooth driver. He knows how to take care of his equipment. And if you do, of course, like you said, with these next-gen cars, you'll tend to be rewarded with a good finish, as you mentioned with the others like Todd Gilliland getting a top 15, Harrison Burton and earning a 14th at Darlington. Not an easy task at all. Chris Bush getting a 16th. And then Cody Ware getting 19th on the lead lap. That's a really good run for those Rick Ware boys. But Chase Elliott, you know, speaking of the number 19, they kind of have this sneakiness that Jimmy Johnson and his number 48 team used to have. During those years, they won five championships in a row. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking more towards the 2006 season where Jimmy Johnson would have, say, a, a speeding penalty on pit road or, you know, maybe a bad pit stop that put him towards the back of the field with maybe, say, less than 100 laps to go to race. And he'd find a way to carve a top six finish. And before you know it, those top six finishes and a few wins sprinkled in, contributes to him winning a championship i think chase elliott kind of has that jimmy johnson attitude about him and aura when it comes to managing his race car and as long as he kind of keeps his uh, temper in check and not have a situation like he did fontana uh he's pretty he's one of the better drivers out there so i think we need to keep an eye on elliott and see what he does uh he could be really good at kansas i certainly think he'll be really strong when it comes to the coke 600 for whatever reason, when it comes to races at Charlotte Motor Speedway or the Roval, Hedrick Motorsports tends to put a lot of focus on trying to win those races. And I know Elliot would love to win the 600, given what happened in 2020, uh, how painfully close he came to winning that race uh, and then having it taken away from him because of a late caution. So I'm kind of thinking we got to pay attention to Elliot in these next several races, to say the least. Now... As we kind of get towards the second half of our podium perspective topics here, of course, another driver who caught my attention was John Hunter Nemechek. Now, he won the race on Friday night for the Truck Series, which honestly was one of the better races I've ever seen in the Truck Series in recent history. Um, and then on Saturday, well, he did, a, he did an amazing job for Sam Hunt Racing, um, almost getting the victory, at least contending with John uh, with Justin Haley, uh, not Justin Haley, he contended against Justin Allgaier, rather, and almost won the race if it hadn't been for a late yellow, which shuffled him towards a top four finish, which honestly is a great finish for the number 26 team. You know, Nathan, we've been saying this since the beginning of the TPF reboot, that we feel like Nemechek should have been in the Xfinity series, but for whatever reason, he's racing full-time in trucks, but he's taking advantage of these opportunities in Xfinity, whether he's racing for JGR in that number 18 car, or for the number 26 Sam Hunt racing team, when you're evaluating the stock of John Hunter Nemechek, not just this year, but for the future, and given the Toyota Racing family's aging group in the Cup Series, is it going to not be too long from now to consider the fact and possibility that Nemechek will finally get to Xfinity? Or does he just make his way to Cup because of the fact that these next-gen cars are a whole lot different than the Xfinity cars. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. He certainly deserves a lot of credit, though. I mean, he, it almost seems like right now he's running running better in Xfinity than he's running in, in the Truck Series, and he's kind of had some pretty poor luck in the Truck Series. Obviously, like you mentioned, he picked up that win um, on Friday. It was really the really the truck to beat. So actually, in two of our three races over the weekend, the pole sitter won the race, and the other race, basically the guy from last place won the race, So, which is the Xfinity <laughs> race, but kind of a weird antidote that I thought of before this uh, this podcast. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think Nemechek certainly – you know, deserving of at least a full-time Xfinity ride with, you know, JGR. Um, you know, we, we, we've already seen him probably in, this is just off the top of my head, probably five races in Xfinity already. A um, couple with JGR, a couple with Sam Hunt. I think we're, we're certainly going to see more, um, you know, his deal with, he has at least a few more races with JGR, at least a few more races with Sam Hunt. Um, with his performance, I'm sure that that number will go up. Um, obviously, you know, I, in term, uh, Sam Hunt probably has inferior equipment compared to Joe Gibbs Racing, and John Hunter Nemechek beat all three Joe Gibbs Racing guys on um, uh, on Saturday, so that's pretty impressive. Like when you look at Dover, uh, I, he had some pretty bad luck there, and and um, broke a, I think he broke a brake rotor in that race, and then obviously you know the Richmond race, um, you know him him and Ty Gibbs battling for the win. Um, you know, John Hunter getting moved by Ty Gibbs there in that last corner, which is fun to cover. Some some drama on pit road for your boy to cover there, um, which is certainly entertaining. But no, I mean, he, he's certainly deserving of an Xfinity ride and probably um, probably a Cup ride. The issue with Cup, obviously, is there's only six Toyota seats in Cup, and right now most of them are pretty stable. Um, you know, like you mentioned, there are, there are a couple a couple drivers in Cup uh, on the Toyota side that are potentially aging. Uh, like Martin Truex Jr. Um, so in that case, if in a potential retirement or something, um, you know that that seat would obviously open. I think it'd be a battle between um, b- between Ty Gibbs and, and John Hunter Nemechek. And I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I think both guys are, are deserving drivers, but um, I, I think realistically, who, um, who who's Coach Gibbs more more likely to pick, his grandson or 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 someone else? So. And, that, and that's not a diss against either of them because Ty Gibbs is a very talented race car driver. But, um, you know, I, I, obviously I think it, it plays more towards Ty Gibbs getting a cup seat first. But um, John Hunter Nemechek certainly deserving of a really good Xfinity ride, really probably deserving of a really good cup ride as well. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know if that'll happen at this point in time with, with Toyota. Um, I, I think that he has the highest ceiling with Toyota, um, but it's just a matter of time to see if um, – if you can find that other ride, but who knows though, all of a sudden maybe um, Denny Hamlin could go out there with 23 and 11 and, 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 uh, and acquire another charter out of nowhere. So we shall see. It's going to be an interesting time these next several years, just because of the way the charter system works, how this next gen car is designed to control the costs on the economic side of things. And also to the roster side for Toyota racing, because they've got some of the most talented drivers and veterans out there, but it it can't be too foolhardy for JGR or even 2311 to start thinking about the future in terms of their plans. And of course, Ty Gibbs would probably get the nod ahead of Nemechek when it comes to a JGR ride, but if another open seat happens, I think the gambit by Nemechek after the 2020 uh, Cup season to go back and race in the Truck Series with one of the top Toyota teams will hopefully pay off uh, because certainly he he struggled during his cup season in 2020, but that's not for a lack of effort and it's not a rag on front row motorsports, but you know, 
he did not seem like he was ready for prime time at that time at that moment. But he's obviously showing with KDM how great he is. And with the Sam Hunt and JGR part-time ex- uh, Xfinity schedule, I think he is capable of winning several races if things go his way. Like you said, um, in those five races he's done, uh, his worst finishes are 12th and 37th. The Dover situation that you mentioned already was the 37th place finish. But finishes a fifth, second, and fourth. I mean, that's certainly going to capture my attention if I was a car owner and I'm looking for the next young driver to lead my efforts. So hopefully the Invictus stock continues to rise because... He's certainly doing a great job, you know, continuing his family's, family's legacy, not only for his father, Joe, uh, who won an Xfinity championship back in 1992, but of course, for the man that he's named after, of course, his late uncle, who passed away about 25 years ago uh, from injuries sustained in a truck race at Homestead Miami Speedway. So I'm sure his uncle, you know, up above, wherever he is, would be really thrilled to see um, his nephew prospering in NASCAR. And the Nemechek family is certainly one of the nicer ones out there when it comes to the journalist side of things and even being a fan. Uh, so we'll see. And of course, with Nemechek name and Kansas, uh, Kansas Speedway goes well because I think of the 2004 fall playoff race that involved Joe Nemechek and Ricky Rudd and one of the more memorable finishes amongst these two veteran stock car drivers who decided, you know what? We're not in the playoffs, but we're going to make this a really fun, you know, race at Kansas. And sure enough, they did. Uh, but to go fast forward to 2022, let's talk about this race weekend at Kansas, which, of course, is going to be a truck and an Xfinity uh, or cup and trucks uh, race weekend. On the cup side of things, we've got the Advent Health 400. And on the truck side of things with Saturday night. We're looking forward to seeing the Heart of America 200. Now, as far as the cup race is concerned, of course, the defending race winner is Kyle Busch. But we all know that Kyle Larson was the best car in last year's race. Until he and Ryan Blaney got together. And, of course, the controversial caution during the pit stop cycle that really shook up the running order in last year's cup race. But, hey... We'll see what's going to happen. It's going to be a great race weekend. So in this case here, let us do our usual with our race preview. Now with the truck and the cup side of things, Nathan and I are going to give our two contenders for the race win and two spoilers to mix things up, either with a great finish or victory. So I'll let Nathan kind of start things off for us. And then I'll chime in after his thoughts. Sure. For my two contenders, I'll throw in Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, the two Kyles. Obviously, you know, Kyle was, uh, well, that doesn't help. Kyle Larson was uh, was the best car in that spring race last year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he won the fall race um, as well in kind of his tear there in the playoffs. Um, so, but both Kyles are basically your defending winners there. Both are great on mile and a half. Um, but Kyle Busch is on baby watch, so there is a chance that um, he might not race. But if he does race, certainly Kyle Busch will be a, a contender. In terms of a couple spoilers on the cup side, um, I'll go with I'll go with Eric Jones. He's been running really well lately. He's actually really inside the um, uh, the playoff grid right now. And, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. back to back top tens for him as well. It almost almost won that Dover race. So those are my Cup Series picks. I like those because Ricky Stenhouse Jr., ever since his low 
finish at Talladega and pretty much having to go in Hail Mary mode has responded to the challenge. He's got that runner-up at Dover. He got that top 10 finish, like you said, at Darlington, which is no easy feat. And yes, he did survive the, the carnage at Darlington. I think JTG uh, Doherty Racing has a little bit in them to get a good finish. And we can't dismiss the fact that crew chief Brian Patty loves those innovative gambles with pit strategy. Uh, we saw that at Darlington. We've seen it in the past where sometimes he'll be to a different drum to get Stenhouse towards the front of the field. And when the caution comes out, boom, track positions right there for them for the taking. So I think he's also one of my dark horse picks um, when it comes to Sunday's race. And just looking at the entry list as well, we've got 36 drivers in the race, and nobody's going to miss the race, but we've got Justin uh, J.J. Yaley. And number 15, we've got Noah Gregson making another start for Colleague Racing. So I'm going to start things off reverse in terms of my cuff uh, spoilers. When it comes to this side of things, you know, I think you can't dismiss Chris Buescher. Now I know he's had somewhat of a middling season this year, but we saw what he did at Dover. He got the pole. Got a nice top 10 finish. And honestly, RFK Racing is starting to show some pace out there that we have to start paying attention to. And I think in Brad Keselowski's case, trying to make the playoffs, we can't. he can't just bank on the fact that he has to run really well at Daytona to win and hopefully be in the top 13 points. So if Busher and him can re start to build consistency out there, you know, obviously having some speed out there, it will help Brad's chances to make the playoffs. And it can't help, can't hurt the 17 teams' chances to make the playoffs. So, Ricky Stenhouse and Chris Buescher are my spoilers. Now, this is going to be no surprise, of course. Kyle Larson, I'm going to say, is my top choice for this weekend without seeing PNQ as of right now, because we all know how fast he was. And yes, during that championship run uh, in the fall, he absolutely crushed them. Even after he hit the wall off of turn two and got shuffled back, and he needed that late race yellow. Once he got a great pit stop, he got the clean air, it was sayonara for the rest of the field. So Kyle Larson for my top choice. And for my backup primary choice, Tyler Reddick. This guy's due a victory. Like We keep saying it every show. I feel like this is like Groundhog Day for us. Uh, but if Reddick can win on Sunday, it will be the most popular victory I think we've seen in a while. And for RCR, it's going to be a validating stamp with their cup program finally being this team that can be taken even more seriously and not just like this whole sentimental favorite because of the good old days with Dale Earnhardt and Kevin Harvick. No, this team is really legit. RCR's got the pace. And Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon certainly can contend for victories. But I'm going to say Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson, the two high-line drivers, are going to be fun to watch. And let's not forget, Reddick was really good last fall at Kansas. So uh, I think... He is someone someone worth watching on Sunday. And quickly for the truck race, uh, before we get to the hot seat side of things, for the truck race, you know, we've got a lot of good contenders out there. We don't have Kyle Busch this year, so you can't say Kyle Busch for your favorite. So for one favorite and one spoiler, my favorite, I think you're going to have to look at Carson Hosevar because he just he do a victory as well. He's, a, he's like a Tyler Reddick type driver the truck series we all know how frustrated he was after what happened at Darlington because he came so close to winning the race and John Hunter Nemechek just staved them off towards the end so I know he and the Nice Motorsports team are really really 
gearing for a victory here, and it, and it could happen on Saturday night. And as far as a dark horse or spoiler pick is concerned, it's worth saying this, because this guy used to be in Cup, and certainly almost won on a Cup race or two. But Matt Benedetto could be somebody worth watching on Saturday night with his number 25 Rackley WAR racing team with crew chief Chad Kendrick, somebody who knows how to win in the truck series at the top of his pit box. So those are my thoughts on that. Nathan, if you want to chime in about the truck race, go for it, my friend. Sure. For my, um, from, from my contender, I'll go with, uh, with John Hunter Nemechek. If you talked about him earlier in the show, it seems like with him wins, wins come in bunches in the truck series. That's kind of what happened last year. Once he ripped off that first victory or he ripped off, I think it was four more to have, to have five total. So, um, when he gets hot, once he gets a little bit of momentum, certainly nobody else wants to uh, be around him because he's gonna gonna dominate the field. In terms of a little bit of an underdog, um, I'll, I'll actually give you two, and and they're in the same they're they're on the same team this weekend. Tanner Gray and Riley Herbst for um, David Gill in racing. Tanner Gray had a couple of really great runs earlier in the year. Uh, kind of had some bad luck here these last couple of races, so I, I can see him turning turning. Um, things around and maybe playing a spoiler in, in in that 15 truck. And then Riley Herbst, obviously no Xfinity this week, uh, stepping into their 17 truck, which has kind of been um, – they've kind of had a bunch of different people in there. They've had Ryan Priest in there. They've had, well, obviously, Riley Herbst in there. They've had um, um, they've had Taylor Gray in there a couple of times. So um, I'll, I'll go with those two those two guys to potentially spoil the race there out of the DGR Crosley bunch. DGR Crosley certainly can contend for victories. We saw what happened last year when Ryan Priest got that victory in Nashville Super Speedway. And Riley Herbst, boy, after that great finish he got at Darlington, you know he's going to feel pretty good about himself in that truck race on Saturday night. So if he can win, that could do wonders for him the following weekend uh, for the Xfinity Series. So not a bad choice right there. If you've done two dark horses, I already named my dark, dark horse number one. I said, um, I think I said Matt Benedetto. I'm going to go a little bit uh, not off the beaten path when I say Corey Heim. <laughs> That's kind of a cheap uh, ch- trick I just did there. Corey Heim is my dark horse, uh, number two pick. But, I mean, we know Corey Heim is so good at super speedways. Kansas is not really a super speedway that's mammoth in size. But um, the truck series, of course, with the respect motors from Ilmore Engines, you have to think that drafting is going to be a factor, and there's no other driver better than Corey Heim when it comes to drafting, whether an ARCA or truck series vehicle. I think he could be really good on Saturday. So when it comes to those races, of course, folks, you can catch the heart of America 200 that will be on this Saturday at 8 PM Eastern over on FS one with practice and qualifying respectively between 12 to 1 30 PM. And for as far as the cup series side of things with the advent health 200 or 400 rather, We've got practice and qualifying kicking off at 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday over on FS1. And the big race around 3 p.m. on Sunday over on FS1. I know, folks, if you don't have cable, well, don't know what to tell you. But keep an eye on things. And, of course, we'll have some, some content over on TPF. And, yes, I do also want to mention, of course, that we've also got the AMR Grand Prix at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. That's on Saturday, I believe, on NBC. So keep an eye on that because I may have somebody sitting in the future hot seat from IndyCar who was a former seven-time NASCAR Cup champion. That was not much of a spoiler, folks. I'm sorry. Not really sorry. 
Well, folks, if you enjoyed this week's edition of Podium Perspectives, I know that Nathan and I did, but if you folks want to hear some different topics, of course, please tweet to us. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Rob T. Onsen. Uh, Nathan's is at nsolly 2 And for the general Twitter username handle for us, for TPF, of course, that's at the Podium Finish. If we choose your topic, we will send you a prize. So please check us out for next week for episode 30 of Milestone Episode as we start to preview the All-Star Race Weekend at Texas and, of course, preview other races and review what happened at Kansas. So with that, folks, I hope you enjoyed putting in perspectives because we're now heading over to the final segment of our show, In the Hot Seat. Well, folks, it is really a true hot seat interview this weekend because of the fact that we're not going to be on a road course. We're not going to be at a super speedway. We're going to the quarter mile drag strip. We're not going to be using your mom's minivan or your dad's Cobra in the garage. We're talking about a Ford Mustang that is fielded by John Forrest Racing, namely, of course, 16-time NHRA funny car champion John Forrest who I mentioned on the top of this podcast is pretty much the Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, the Mario Andretti when it comes to NHRA racing. And John Force has been around so long that his first uh, NHRA championship was back in the early 90s. Most of you folks who watch racing today or follow me on Twitter, most of the folks who listen to our podcast were not even born during the 1990s, uh, which makes me feel pretty old. But John Force has a lot to prove still. He's very competitive. He wears his heart on his sleeves. And at age 73, he's easily the oldest driver in all of NHRA. But he's still got his reflexes. He still has that desire to win races, to win championships. And as you'll hear during my hot seat interview, I reminded him of the fact that he hasn't won an NHRA championship since 2013. So it kind of stuck the flames for him a little bit more to try to win this year's championship. Now, recently, he did win at Charlotte, which was a huge victory for him. And that just adds to his winning total in the NHRA series. As of right now, he's got 155 total win number for statistics in his career. That's just incredible. And he still has what it takes to win. Plus the fact that he's owning a lot of these winning cars. He's got Robert Height, his son-in-law, of course, as one of his perennial uh, funny car championship contenders. He's got his daughter, of course, Brittany Force, who's one of the top fuel dragsters and one of the best out there as far as NHRA competition is concerned. There's a lot to hear from this, this man, and it's so big to me and to this whole TEPF team to have John Force on here that later this week, I'm actually going to publish the video version of this interview. And of course, the article version, because I'm very proud of the fact that today, folks, I am pleased to welcome 16-time NHRA Bunny Car Champion, John Force to the TPF Live podcast. So folks, please give him a warm welcome, and let's hear right now in the hot seat, John Force. Well, John, first of all, thank you for taking the time today to talk to us here at the podium finish. It's such an honor to have you. And by the way, happy belated birthday to you. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I would say you kicked off your birthday celebrations in style because you won at Charlotte 
which I have to imagine is such a thrill for you because you're in this remarkable, iconic championship winning career that still continues on since 1978. So first of all, what's it like for you to continue writing the chapters to your story uh, racing career? Well, they're, they're, they've already finished the book and they've changed it two or three times the end and the movie script we've already done. I don't have time to get to it. I want to be part of it. Uh, but uh, my daughter actually will probably lead the charge on that one day. But, uh, 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 you know, bottom line, uh, when is what we're all about? And that's where your focus has to be. And I never answered your question. I forgot what your question was. What was it? Oh, you're good. You actually did answer it. Uh, I was asking you, what is it like to still continue writing this book of yours that you're still this competitive winning race car driver? Well, you know, bottom line, you can't do it without sponsors. And we went out there with the Blue Def Chevrolet with Auto Club and all the different sponsors, Cornwell, and we set track records of both ends. Uh, we won uh, the race. The four wide was huge. And it was just really a great weekend. You got to have the money from the sponsors, but you also got to have uh, crew chiefs and the team. And I think I've got one of the best. And uh, when you look at Daniel Hood that runs the car, it, it was just flawless. Uh, you know, running 80s, even though it may not show, I roll deep a lot of times. And, and I, I heard the lose lane choice sometimes makes the crew chiefs mad. But uh, it slows down the reaction. It slows down the, the ET time that you see but it might help you win a race. And in my case, that's how I get up for the race, attacking the Christmas tree. So give the credit to Tim Fabrizi, uh, Daniel Hood, the bunch of guys that run it. And I've got a great team and, and uh, moved up to fourth in the points. Robert moved up uh, on the chart, uh, Jason uh, uh, Hagen, and uh, uh, all of us got a shot at the title. Absolutely. That's actually what my next question is going to be. So I think you've got my questions and you telepathically link to me here, John. But uh, you mentioned about being fourth in the point standings, which is really awesome with six races uh, completed so far. How would you evaluate your season so, um, so far to date? Well, my cars have always been good based on financial backing, you know, from the flavor packs and the monsters. And, 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 and like I said, HKC, the list, uh, John Powers, uh, Solar, the, the list goes on and on. And then you buy the guys that run it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and uh, we've got a great team. So we're doing really well. And we're, you know, we're fighting to, to run for a championship. That's what the sponsors want. And I'm excited about it. So uh, when you look at, you can run both ends of the track record, speed and ET, and you can turn around and win the four wide. Uh, that's really special. I'd say so. And uh, I love that you're still in it. You're still competing at a high level because obviously, when 2020 happened, that was the COVID-19 pandemic. And fortunately, you and your team and a lot of competitors were not out there. But obviously, you're back in action and you're around a lot of race fans who love you very much, John. And what's it like to be back at the racetrack, seeing all these fans in the grandstands and in the garage area? Because as we know, in the NHRA, every ticket is a garage pass. Yeah, you got you know the drill. They, they, <laughs> uh, the fans love it. They're what's, the fans motivate you. Of course, they buy all the products from your sponsors and all the other teams. But in the end, they motivate you. When you look out there and see a grandstand that's packed, that's an exciting time. And coming out of a pandemic, you know, we, we got to build our brand back. We've got to build, uh, you know, NHRA. We got to put more people in the stands. And we're doing that. If some races were full and some were, you know, we're down a little bit. But we got to 
give them opportunities and we give them great drag, drag racing. Bruton Smith owns the four wides in, in Vegas and, and, uh, and, and in uh, uh, Charlotte. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, they've invested, but the fans are what makes it happen. And we gave him great racing. Robert was runner up in the Auto Club Chevy right there with us. So uh, uh, we were excited about that. Absolutely. And I have to say, you know, we've been, my family and I have been watching the NHRA races together. Now, obviously, I'm trying to get back into covering it. My dad's like, you know, I'm 77 years old, and it's so great to seeing someone close to my age still being so competitive. <laughs> Gives me hope that I should keep being healthy so I can be around with my family. So I want to thank you indirectly for making my dad feel like there's still a lot to live for uh, with things in life. Well, there is. Life goes on and it doesn't change because you get a little bit older. I'm a little bit older. I stay in the gym. I, I try to diet the best I can. I take my vitamins and go to my doctor on a regular basis. And, you know, hey, if I was in NASCAR having to drive around for three hours, it might wear me out. But I'm in a car for four or five seconds, three seconds sometimes. And yeah. most of the time, hopefully. But uh, no, this sport, the car does the running for you. The teams prepare the car for you. And all I got to do is shoot it. And I'm the best. Well, I won't say I'm the best, but I'm one of the best. I can run to them kids out there. And it's tough. You're up against Robert Hyde. He's one of the best on the Christmas tree. And, and you know, Hagen is out there. Ron Caps, uh, uh, Cruz Pentagon, always been a fighter. And, and uh, we, uh, you know, we just got great racers. We're a great family. And we love it. So we entertain the fans. That's what we do. They get autographs at the races at NHRA. They get photos with the drivers. My daughter, Courtney's, uh, Brittany's out there. Courtney drove also um, in the past. Uh, having babies now. Married that IndyCar driver, Graham Rahal. Great kid. Uh, and, and got a granddaughter, uh, Harlan uh, Rahal. So uh, we're excited about that. My two grandsons for Ashley and, and Daniel Hood, my crew chief. Ashley, my daughter. Uh, uh, 10 and nine. Uh, I was at a little league game last night with Noah, but they both drive junior dragsters. And then of course, Autumn uh, was, was Robert. Uh, she and, and my daughter, Adra, uh, she drives, uh, 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 she just moved up to uh, not junior dragsters, but moved up to uh, super comp cars. Can't keep up with her. So many of them. And they love it. They love it. NHRA does. So tell your dad, thank you. Uh, uh, tell him, uh, get off that couch, get up and go to work just like I do. Or if he's retired, tell him, God bless him. I missed retirement about years back, but I love driving my car and it's not that hard and I'm, I'm good at it and I want to keep doing it. And, uh, looks like I'm going to be with Pete for years to come and, and uh, Chevrolet and other sponsors. So life's good. I'm glad to hear. And I hope you do stick around because I've been watching you since I was five years old back in 1991. So um, you are a huge part of why I'm still into motorsports and why I pursue journalism um, in the first place. So it's such a cool honor to you know talk to you right now. Um, I wouldn't be lying if I said the hairs on my arms are standing up right now, just like how you're trying to react to a Christmas tree at the racetrack. So this is so cool. I, um, I'm not trying to fanboy too much right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, you talked about, your, you know, how you're still so sharp. I think you are one of the best, if not the best, I've ever seen in my life in NHRA. And along the way, you've connected with so many different fans, you know. I'm sure there's been fans back in the 90s who watched you when they were a kid, and now they're fathers or mothers, and they're bringing their kids to the races. And they're like, hey, this is John Force. This is one of my favorites. Um, so what is it like to connect with these different generations of fans and know that they still love you to this day? 
It's just like connecting with you. You were five years old when I met you, and you're making the hair stand up on my neck and my arms just from the way you interview, making me feel good. So you're making me blush. But uh, the fans are what it's all about. And I can remember in the old days where I had to live on the road and my family was back home, uh, you know, in Orange County in California. And I couldn't get home. I couldn't afford to fly. I drove the 18-wheeler myself. And I lived out there. And, and uh, they would bring you on your birthday. They'd bring you a cake. They'd bring you food sometimes. Hell, they even fed my teams because I, we didn't have enough money. Hey, we used to sleep five, six guys in a hotel room, one room, not like it is today. But the world's changed and corporate America got in. And that's why these sponsors that we have, this is all very important, you know, uh, to keep doing the job. To be on your show today, I got five others following your show. And uh, we keep working. We keep promoting. We're going we're gonna to head to more races. Uh, we're going to Richmond, Virginia. That's NASCAR country. And we got to get in there and get that media and get the people come to our race and, and we'll show you what 300. I, I set the record last week at, at, uh, at Charlotte at 335, set the ET record at 385. And um, everything went right that weekend, but it goes right for the next guy in the next way in the next weekend. That's the way it is. So, but I got to win my first of the year. Robert's already got two. So uh, uh, we're excited about it. And, um, Let's go to Richmond and let's show the people how to drag race there. You betcha. And I'm sure you're going to show them plenty more times this year when we get to the countdown part of the season, uh, which I am really looking forward to seeing you do with your John Force Racing team. I got a couple more questions for you uh, before I wrap things up. Now, you've got plentiful, memorable moments, and I'm sure there's many more on the way in your career. But let me ask you this one What would you consider to be your welcome to NHRA racing moment that made you feel like? you were accepted by your peers? Um, probably when I won my first championship, uh, not my first race, uh, but winning a championship was a long battle. And I think I won that in 1990 was the beginning. And, uh, and uh, th that always stays. Of course, winning, you know, 150 was big in, in Seattle. I'm going back to the Seattle race. One of our sponsors, Frank Teagues, that owns Flavor Pack. Uh, and Montana brand. Montana brand is one of our big brands with Austin Proc. Uh, got to mention uh, Brittany and Top Fuel. Got to mention Robert, but got to mention Austin Proc. He's up there in the points. He's young. He's a great driver, and and uh, and that's what we do. But uh, we're we're gonna uh, we're even working on a commercial to run during the Seattle race that Ashley will put together uh, for Flavor Pack to push their products. And uh, so we're excited about that. But that was a big moment, probably winning, winning my first race, where people knew that, you know, yeah, I was a loud mouth and a big talker, but win a race, win a championship, that was big. That was most important. Winning a race, you can stumble into that sometimes, but winning a championship, you had to earn it. And we did it, and I'm very proud of that. You've done it 16 times, which... To my standards, I would say you're the Dale Earnhardt of NHRA racing. And I, I mean that very seriously, um, knowing how successful and consistent you've been over the years. And I remember those days when you were in the Castro, I think Oldsmobile back in the day, um, if memory serves me right. But, um, you know, you're going after your 17th championship, which I don't care if it's a 300 mile race or a quarter mile drag strip. That's a hell of accomplishment to try to go after. But what would it mean for you to get that 17th championship if it happens this year or down the road? Well, it's been a few years since I've won a championship. 
maybe four or five years. But what I look at is winning is what we live for. Brittany does, Proc does, Os, uh, uh, Robert Height, unbelievable the way he that he is about winning. You can't even talk to him when he doesn't win, and because uh, he lives it. But 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 all the drivers do, and uh, but wanting to win—that's really what it's all about. And I do want to win again, and uh, I've I've said that, and I'm going to. It's just a matter of time, matter of getting my stuff together, and hey, it might be a while, but I'm going to be around a while. I'm not going anywhere. And uh, uh, because the other people are trying to win too. And there's a lot of them that haven't. So I'm going to fight the battle. I'm going to go down this road. And I'm proud that, that the good Lord allows me every day. And, you know, you've got to take a moment to thank the, the men and women in the military, uh, in the armed forces, and, and, and the police and firemen, and the first responders, what they do to keep us well and keep this great country great. And this country, we got a lot of work ahead of us, you know, to to fix America, get it, get it back on track, but they're working on it up there in DC and we'll see what happens. But, uh, we're very lucky to live in a country like this and very lucky to have the job that I have. So I want to thank the fans for making that possible. And, and, uh, and, and I want to thank the sponsors. You had another question. Oh, so my other question for you would be, I think you answered the question about like, what would it mean to win the 17th championship? Cause I think it's been since 2013, but I know it's not for a lack of effort. I know, um, obviously, it's a really high-pressure uh, sport, so you seem to be managing it pretty well. Well, it's been longer than I thought. But, uh, you know, when you look at it, you grow up with the fans like you were a kid, so many others that now they bring their children and the grandpas and the great-grandpas coming. Oh, I remember you. Uh, that's quite a, an accomplishment in itself to have that many generations. Hell, I'm already, I think I'm on the fourth generation maybe I'll get to five, but, uh, nope, just love doing it. And I'm humbled, uh, you know, to be here on your show and, and, and know that I'm still a part of it and doing my job. Absolutely. And hopefully I get to make it to one of these races because I know it'd be a really full adrenaline experience. So hope to do one of these in the per in person. Cause I know it'd be so much fun and I would have a lot more fun ideas to do in person. Uh, when we get to talking, uh, one of these days, I met you in Boston back in 2013. I, I have to say, it was really a humbling moment to meet one of my favorite heroes of the racetrack. We'll be going back up to Epping. That's a great racetrack up there. Um, um, uh, I love going there. I, I love the food in Boston and, and down in the <laughs> other areas and where we stay. And uh, excited to go back, but mainly to put on a show for the fans. Got a lot of friends there. And uh, it goes, uh, Paul from Boston. Uh, he called me on my birthday. And I can't hardly remember who Paul is, but he comes, shows up every year and we go back, you know, uh, 25, 30 years ago. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, now that you reminded me on my championship that I last won, it, it's been more than five years. So I got to get on the ball. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But right now what I've got is a team that was good. You asked that earlier and I didn't answer it. Uh, we've got a good financial backing and all we got to find is consistency. That's what John Force Racing needs, consistency. And we found it this weekend at Charlotte. And let's see if we can do it again, and we will. You bet, my friend. And I know you'll do it for sure. And like I said, hope to do one of these interviews again down the road because I know NHRA Racing absolutely warrants the spotlight. And you guys and girls out there do a hell of a job every weekend. So I want to thank you so much, John, for making this happen. And Sarah, too. 
hopefully get to do this again real soon because I unfortunately have to get going, but I'm so appreciative to finally talk to you, John. It's such an honor. Well, tell your dad I love him. Tell him I said hi. And uh, when I see you at the races, I'll have you, you guys hats. Okay. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that, John. That's most nice of you. Well, folks, that was John Force who was here in the hot seat. I do want to give special thanks, of course, to Sarah Slaughter over at John Force Racing for making that interview possible. And like I said, you'll see both a video version and a digital printed version of my interview with John Force later this week. Now, as you imagine with John Force, as you heard during this interview, it was quite lengthy. So it's going to be in multiple parts. So just be patient in terms of the digital side of things. Um, in terms of it being on the TPF website, but on my newly opened YouTube channel, folks, you'll see a lot of uh, interviews with drivers I sit in the hot seat with, whether at the racetrack or remotely through the power of Zoom and possibly Yardstreamer. I don't know, but mostly on Zoom because I'm not endorsed by either of them. But anyway, in any event, folks, before we wrap up the show, um, just wanted to say, wow, month of May is here. I'm going to be kicking back to school here very shortly, but I'm trying to enjoy the last days of my freedom. Nathan, of course, has the summer of freedom, kind of like the summer of George from Seinfeld. So hopefully don't get yourself injured like George Costanza did <laughs> on Seinfeld. That might be a little uh, obscure reference, so that's all right. But uh, Nathan, what other content do you have planned up for TPF? Because I know you are happy to be done with the school books for now. Yeah, very much so. I'm just kind of, <laughs> you know, ho hopefully getting, hopefully I have a little bit of time here to transcribe some interviews and uh, push out some of the Xfinity series content I was able to uh, to capture. I also kind of have, sort of, kind of, uh, if, if that's a hint at all, uh, and I referred to this driver's name earlier in the show, um, a sort of, kind of, cup feature coming out uh, about a driver that is occasionally uh, a cup series driver here in 2022. So that's your hint. Uh, you can you can leave your guesses below, uh, but yeah, basically just uh, try to transcribe some interviews and push out content from this Dover weekend. Obviously, um, the final my finals have kind of slowed down the the Dover content, but with it with an Xfinity series off weekend ahead, that's a prime window for me to get out that content. So excited to be able to uh, do that. Hopefully, get get most of it out here between now and uh, and next weekend when the Xfinity series returns. Um, and then afterwards, it's uh, it, it's back to the books of trying to uh, trying to land some interviews here. So. Uh, to basically bridge the gap between now and uh, my next NASCAR race in a couple months, which is kind of crazy to think. But, um, but yeah, as always, excited to keep on working on content, working, uh, go get on the Zoom calls and everything, the NASCAR weekly Zoom calls and everything, and, and get stories out of there. So I'll just be, uh, I'll be plugging along at it, and you'll, uh, you'll certainly see a lot more content from me in the coming weeks. Looking forward to it, my friend. And I know those Ford press conferences. And those midweek NASCAR Zoom calls certainly help with our content for sure. So your efforts are always appreciated on those fronts. Uh, and of course, what you did at Dover and your upcoming races, I'm certainly looking forward to, to say the least. Now, besides the fact that I am scoreboard watching throughout this week with the Celtics and the Bruins playoff efforts, I'm also looking forward to the fact that I've got some content coming up on the TPF pipeline. Uh, John Force, like I said, will be coming up on the website and on video format because I'm really proud of this interview. Um, and then a certain seven-time champion from NASCAR will be in the hot seat, and I don't mean Richard Petty, so shouldn't be too hard to guess this one, folks. Um, and hopefully some more content from the NASCAR side of things, because uh, I'm trying to figure out my second race. I know for a fact, like I said in several podcasts beforehand, that 
I will be at the Texas playoff race and I will be at the Charlotte Road race weekend later this year. So we will see, but we're always busy on TPF and we're always so thankful for the fans, our family and friends supporting us with what we do over on the TPF outlet. So when it comes to next week's show, folks, episode 30s are on the corner. So get the birthday cakes out for us, you know, send some money our way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but anyways, folks, we're so appreciative of each of you folks, whether at home, whether you're listening in the office place, wherever it may be, Nathan and I truly appreciate it because we're going to be cranking out a lot of these podcasts every Wednesday for you folks to enjoy before the next race weekend comes up. So we'll get to ready, get ready for episode 30 because we have to wrap up this show and get ready for next week because the month of May is always nonstop for us motorsports folks, even for the journalists. So with that, I want to thank you all for listening to episode 29 of the Penny Finish Live. For Nathan Solomon and John Force, I'm your host, Rob Tionson. Thanking all of you for taking the time today to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify or whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on. We'll see you all again next Wednesday for another edition of TPF Live. So, as I always say, folks, let's go get that checkered flag. And then until next time, so long, everyone. <laughs>